The Improverbial Podcast is a part of the Boardman Review Podcast Collective in collaboration with Cold Shower Media. The Podcast Collective aims to tell unique stories curated by the Boardman Review, the creative culture and outdoor lifestyle journal of Northern Michigan. This episode is brought to you by the Boardman Review, Tilt Think Improv, and the Grass River Natural Area. Grass River Natural Area is about 1,500 acres of pristine beautifulness in Antrim County. And if you've ever had that experience of standing on a small bridge over a small, clear river while the universe's chi energy suffuses your heart and soul, yeah, that's Grass River Natural Era. Totally go there and support them. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thalvet, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! Um, well, here's uh, the, the phrase that we're going to be talking about today is one that I think most of our listeners uh, who are native English speakers would have um, heard at some point during their, you know, during their lives. And it is uh, to throw down the gauntlet. And throwing down the gauntlet literally means basically to issue a challenge, to challenge someone. Um, you know, to give you an example, should I give you an example? Yeah. So if, uh, for example, I were Arthur, king of the Britons, seeking to cross a footbridge and a large knight in black armor would stand in my way and say, none shall pass. He would be figuratively throwing down the gauntlet, you see, and I should have no choice but to cut off his limbs one by one. Oh, jo- jolly yes. good. Yes, jolly, jolly good. good. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So that is the expression. That's what it means. That's how example in a sentence. Can you tell us more? Yeah. Well, I was looking into this. Where did this come from? And it says uh, during the medieval times, this would come into play. It was a practice of a man in arms throwing down his gauntlet, which would be a metal glove. And that would be issuing a challenge to combat. Now, if you pick up the gauntlet, then you are accepting the challenge. That doesn't seem like you might need that. You might need the glove. Well, you're going to fight, right? Yeah. So you you throw it down and you pick it up really quick. The other guy picks it up though. And then you're like, oh no. I, excuse me, I'm going to need that bat because you're about to <laughs> right. kill me. You see what Do I'm saying? And the see, guy's isn't like, there like no, a fundamental problem with it. this? It's like, if someone throws on the gauntlet and I pick it up, I'm all like, I'm going to throw that gauntlet like in the lake. I'm throwing it into the dragon's mm-hmm. mouth. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm all like, now I got two gauntlets. You got one. Bring it. Nanny, 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 poo poo. And then you cut off the hand the first fed, and yeah, foremost. Exactly. And see, that's so, like, you know, like I was saying, cutting off limbs one by one. Start with the hand that has Start no gauntlet. Start with the hand with no gauntlet. Feed it to the dragon. The dragon's distinct, on your side now, distinct right? Steep advantage. Steep advantage. D- yeah, a dragon on your side. Because um, you fed him a yeah. gauntlet and a hand. And presumably. Presumably. The, uh, actually, you know, be smart policy. If you're going to throw down the gauntlet, make sure it's from your weak hand. 
or <laughs> always carry around an extra gauntlet. An extra gauntlet, especially like, if you're very combative. Yeah, like you got gauntlets kind of hidden different places. You're throwing down the gauntlet. Like, uh, hello, look, I got, I, I still have covered hands. Don't even think about. Yeah. See, I outsmarted you. I outsmarted you. That would be, you know, I think that might be um, an offense to to your, one's honor, though. Like this whole gauntlet thing, it's like it dueling, is. right? And this 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 whole yes. this proverb made me think about dueling, you know, and how you know it's, it's steeped in this chivalrous and this totally. whole like one upsmanship, and I am an honor of and, honor, you know, yes. and <clears throat> sort of like elitist uh, classism and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that that made me start thinking about dueling. You know, and you know, like I, dueling pianos. That's my most modern reference. Dueling pianos. <laughs> yeah, it's two pianos. Oh, yeah, or dueling yeah. fiddles. Maybe yeah. that's more. Dueling of your banjos, line. isn't it? Banjos. Dueling banjos. That's the third. I'm thinking pianos, and I'm thinking fiddles, and now I'm thinking yeah, wow. banjos. I, well, see, for me, like modern, fairly recent references to uh, Hamilton. Right? Everyone, you know, course, my daughter like knew every single word of that whole thing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and of course, famously, uh, you know, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr mm -hmm. dueled. And that was how Alexander that Hamilton his met demise. his demise. Spoiler alert to our audience. In sorry. Yeah. Sorry if you didn't it, know in that. In case you don't um, know history. And that, you know, you know it may, it's got, I got thinking about dueling. You know, do you, uh, is that where you went with this? Where did you go with this? Oh, I, I went some other ways, but I want to hear about your dueling. Well, I was like, okay, how does dueling work anyway? How do you know when you're having a duel? Like, do, you know, do you like slap someone across the face and say, you know, I'll meet you on the dueling grounds or something? And I found out that there's this, this book in the Library of Congress from 1847, which is called The Code of Honor or the 39 Articles with an appendix showing the whole manner in which the duel is to be conducted with amusing anecdotes. That's so it's a long title. <laughs> and I have to share with you, if I, if I may, um, at the risk of commandeering your, your um, I'm commentary. I'm learning so much. Number 18, no gentleman may notice the insulting language of an inferior. Number 20, no apology can be made or received after the parties have gone to the field. Um, a contrary course would involve a suspicion of cowardice. And number 17, for a direct insult to a lady, no apology can be received. But as this code is intended for gentlemen, and no individual of that case is capable of insulting a lady... The despicable hounds so transgressing are hereby surrendered to the ear-slitting clemency of the lady's friends. I gotta unpack that, Pete. There's a lot happening in ah, there. Ah, so much. <laughs> Even the lady's friends are involved? Yeah, I, I, it's like, okay, so you can only, only gentlemen duel. Uh-huh. So if someone insults a lady, he is de facto not a gentleman, uh -huh. and therefore you cannot duel with him. <laughs> and the proper remedy then would be to subject him to the ear-slitting clemency of the lady's friends so in other words oh my gosh i love that she's got all her friends and like they can you know, berate him berate him and that's his punishment I, apparently oh. it seems like a better a better deal than the duel actually i like that because mm -hmm. it's war of words and it's 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 really cutting down the honor there isn't it less bloodshed also. less bloodshed and it requires thinking and mind and cleverness Oh, that's nice. And now speaking, and this reminds me of some of the things I was looking at, that this idea of um, the, the current term of to throw down, right? I'm going to throw down. And, and oh, does that come from the same it thing? Can, it comes from this. So Must. the Urban Dictionary says to throw down. This could be to throw down as in a fight, yeah, as we know. totally. Or as in a rap. I'm going to throw down. I'm going to throw down some beats right now. Oh. I won't, Pete, because I can't. Oh, I, oh, man, I would love to hear you. I could, but. I've got a mask on. Oh, Otherwise I would. Or to throw down, it also means like I'm in. Like I'm going to, you know, 
do you want to come with me in my my Subaru, Pete? And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'll throw down with you on that. Really? I've I don't know if that. I used the right way, but yeah, it means I'm in. I'm not sure Subarus are, but yeah. like, I, yeah, I, I never heard that. I mean, I'm not that hit though. Maybe I'm just yeah, not, you're not. Also you guys not that urban. stick with me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think in another modern way to like mm-hmm. um, do a duel in female modern is like, I'm taking off my earrings. Like, Pete, if you see me taking off my earrings, you better step back because that means I'm about to get physically. Is that really right? True? Yeah, that's true. It's I mean, like when there's if, like a if I take um, off my earrings, duel, that's like a that means women thing? are getting serious. Something physical is about to happen, and I'm oh, about to throw down. Wow! Yeah, I like grab your hair and stuff. You don't want your earlobes to get ripped when you're in a brawl. Oh, no, yeah. So you take the earrings off. Oh, okay, and that's all. That's the that's the female modern version of. I had no um, idea. Do you like throw them on the ground? You don't want to because they've they've you just got them from Claire's and you want them to be stay in good shape. So you put them nicely on a shelf. Uh-huh. The other woman can respect that. And then you're going to throw down. Oh, is this kind of an honor thing? It is. They're, it's really it, the height of disrespect. If someone like throws your, takes your earrings off the shelf and. Oh my gosh. You would never do that. Pete. Never. Mm-mm. You're obviously not a lady. No, I'm totally not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, just to go back, just on the lady yeah. topics, I happen to be one. Um, I did look up. It's because it, of course, we think of man in arms and were there women in arms? Yeah. Um, not many, Pete. No. I'm glad you asked that, but there weren't many. <laughs> no, I'm but glad of I course, asked that too. That really is a famous, great question I had. Famously, Joan of Arc, of course. Right. Now, so, so what's funny when you do this research, what people asked, um, if women were in arms, did they have, um, like a breast shaped plate, like for the breast oh, plate. Totally. Was it All shaped? those movies, they always have these like the, these voluptuous, um, you know, breast plates. Yes. Yeah. Apparently that would, that's ill-advised uh, because the point of the armor is to point? absorb yeah. the point of the armor uh-huh. is to absorb points <clears throat> and to deflect. And they said, if you did have some type of like, valley in between the two breasts it would deflect them right into the other breast so you don't want to do that so if you are a woman uh and you're in a coat of armor don't carve out the breast just keep it nice and flat that's the best way to or maybe pointy like right in the middle so everything like like sliding off to the sides just like one uniboob like a unicorn yeah yeah like a a yeah like the prow of a ship yeah, Perhaps. and then you could do like a chest bump. Yeah, especially if you could sharpen that thing right there, and yeah. you could just like run, you could like run, run up and hug people. the enemy. Yeah, that's a that's complicated because you're hugging them, but you're also killing them <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, killing them with kindness is that a little bit? I don't. It's not really kindness, though. I'm hugging. Hugging, I suppose, <laughs> but you're really actually killing them with a blade attached to your breastplate. Maybe right. that could, could be called a kindness. That would be but, like sometimes those medieval things have these euphemistic, you know, yeah. names like an Iron Maiden is actually a, like a. You know what an Iron Maiden Tell actually me. is? No. It sounds. I mean, it sounds bad, of course, but it's um, much worse than you think because <laughs> it's like a casket that has spikes in it. It's like a box, a human shaped box that like you close somebody up in, and it like the spikes go through impales them. them right there on the spot. Going in a box is on its own, not feeling, not, not, you know, not a nice yeah. feeling. Mm-mm. And then there's, there's spikes coming through terrible you at the feeling, same time. Um, so uh, I'm thinking about duels and I'm thinking about like, what happened? How does these happen? Right. It has to do with like confrontation. Like you've offended yeah. my honor or you've done something and we can't reconcile. Yeah. Um, well, at least that's what they in, think. In, the, in their, yeah. In their view. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we're going to resolve this by like what this uh, very, kind of like straightened, uh, rule bound manner of essentially, um, murdering, you know, potentially murdering one another. Um, does that seem like a good solution? 
Do you? Yeah. I mean, some, given your some background, point, at some point they thought that was the way to go. Um, you know, it's so infantile. It is. You know, Pete. It it does remind me of you know how it my area of education and human development, we talk about this idea of where, where does competition fit into education? Um, And you might see in a lot of classrooms where some teachers put a lot of competition into, Mm -hmm. into their education and to their method. Um, And really what you come up with, you get one winner and one loser, or in a lot of cases, one winner and multiple losers. Right. And really what, what does this do with the brain and thinking and development Mm -hmm. of humans? Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't bring us far. Uh, You know, I think, a lot of people are much um, more inclined to this idea of, you know, there isn't just one good guy and one bad guy. There's not just, you know, non-zero sum games, non-zero sum yeah. games that there's a lot of uh, intricacy. Conflicts are very layered um, and they require a lot of uh, discussion and understanding and communication and collaboration. Uh-huh. And this is really, I think, where we are going is uh, a humanity in general, maybe not in current climate. We have yeah, a little bit of black say. and white thinking still happening. And a lot of zero sum thinking too. A lot of zero sum thinking. Um, and, and uh, you know, not that uh, I, I want to presume, but like a zero sum uh, transaction is a transaction in which in order for me to win, you must lose. That's the whole idea of a of zero sum. And non-zero sum means there are ways for... Um, there are different ways. Like I can win a little and you can win a little, or I can win a lot and you can win a little, or you can lose a little and I can win a lot or something like that's different. That's like non non non-zero sum is like outcomes that are not, there's different kinds of ways to optimize. Um, and so, yeah, just yeah, and to, even well, this digression into game theory. No, but the, absolutely this, I, and, and, and even in our environment conversations on equity, like what you need and what I need are two different things, you yeah. know? And if we're looking at a conflict in the 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 playground, um, it's really about what was your need, Pete? What was right. my need, Lisa? Oh, we needed two different things or, yeah. Yeah, it, and it's not like uh, 40 paces uh, and muskets or whatever the hell they use. Um, there's, it, it seems like these people were, Hamilton, this guy was brilliant, right? These people were smart. They were like, why would they think that that was the right, way of resolving yeah, conflicts. These were people who actually devised whole, whole systems of government that were designed to sort of figure out how to make decisions that overcome conflict really in ways and find compromise. It's, it's mind boggling to me. It's mind boggling, but you know, I, it tells us that this reptilian brain is not far at all from the surface. You know, I work with, um, as a head of school, I worked with a lot of families and I was surprised these, um, these adults that are so high powered and so influential in their careers and are known as world renowned experts in whatever their field is. And it would come down to, well, if that kid pushed my kid, I'm going to tell my kid to just push back because he needs to defend himself. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, that reptilian's really close. No matter how far evolved we are, we still need to um, continue to educate people on our, there are other ways to uh, to resolve our conflicts. The, you know, it, I, there's something I want to add to this, which is in the in my study of um, the science of well-being, um, <clears throat> there's this idea of forgiveness as, um, as a selfish act, um, that is a really powerful thought that I don't think is intuitively obvious, um, where you've been wronged 
And the natural, it seems like the natural human inclination is to nurture that wrong and to like hold that and bide your time until you can get like vengeance or whatever, or even the score and all that stuff. Um, But the research into that subject really shows how liberating forgiveness can be. Um, And just deciding to, um, to kind of zero out those accounts and just be like, I'm done with vengeance. I'm done with resentment, anger, and, um, holding that, that hurt. It's, uh, you know, engaging in, in affirmative forgiveness is incredibly liberating and people that engage in that practice, you know, are more likely to be happier people and experience lives of contentment than people that hold on to, uh, the, the wrongs that they've suffered. So it's like, weirdly you're wronged and the wrong continues be, as long as you hold on to it and uh, releasing it is a really powerful um, uh, uh, tool that you can unilaterally employ to improve your own happiness and well-being. So like your honor was slighted big whoop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people need to learn it early, right? They need to learn how to do that um, as, as a child. And how much are we having that in our, you know, it happens in the home in some homes and, but in, in our education system, it's not always happening. It's yeah. a little bit of you two go off, you two are separated now yeah. and let's not talk about it. Um, yeah, let's but, brush it aside. Yeah. Now that I think about those, it's a little complicated because you don't want to just be a pushover. You don't, you, I mean, there has to be accountability when people, um, in, you know, uh, wrong you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, uh, you know, I'm, maybe I'm contradicting myself a little bit because, but there definitely is, is a place for standing up for yourself and um, ensuring accountability. I just think finding that balance is the, is the challenge of our time. Yeah. I know as, as a, as a school leader, we kind of talk about, okay, there's a conflict when a, um, a per, another person or self or property is being physically hurt, it stops and it is wrong and not, and that is a something that you as an individual need to stop it. And adult needs to stop it. But you know, when that, actual physical hurt isn't happening. It's now done. Now we can have a conversation. We're now out of that, that high crisis, um, you know, moment. And now we can have a discussion and we need to bring our brains to that higher, higher place to have those intellectual type of logic and reason and conflict resolution type of discussion. It's like, it's a practice. It's really important to make sure that you're um, well-informed about choosing the correct firearm and the technique for making sure you really shoot them right through the heart and win that duel. Yeah. And bring three metal gloves. All right. I am ready to turn to our super deluxe proverbatron. And, uh, you know, again, every time I look at this thing and I see the, the big bronze plaque on the front that says compliments of the Boardman Review. Yeah. I'm always just filled with gratitude. They invested so much into this technology. We uh-huh. can never thank them enough. No, we really can't. Anyway, um, so let's run it and get that first word out. Okay, ready? Here we go. Pinnacle. All right, let's get that second word. Handcuffs. Oh, Pete, this is a good one. Yeah, pinnacle and handcuffs. Yeah, um... You know, it's funny the, the 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 way the the words the play on words happens, and the way um, as language evolves, it uh, sometimes words get substituted and they get changed as they go. Because um, the original formulation of this of this proverb, 
I believe it came from um, when in England they were shipping convicts to Australia. Okay. Because I don't know if you know that back in the, in the 1800s and well, whenever historically um, Australia was like where they sent the convicts, the rapists and the murders and whatever you could be like, okay, um, right. You've been, you've been done. You're a rapist and a murderer. And your choice is you'll either hang you from the gallows or you can go to Australia. And uh, uh, the, Australia, like oh, rapists, yeah. murders. And they're go, not I'll dumb. They're now. Yeah. Now they're like, I'll take, right. Yeah. Mate, I'll take Australia. So, Thing is, um, the expression originally was um, given the choice between the pinnacle and the manacle. You choose the pinnacle. You see, because a manacle is an old fashioned word for handcuffs. And you see how it's a play on words, a pinnacle and manacle. The problem is <clears throat> that nowadays people aren't aware that manacle and handcuffs are the same. So that historical that's something that's kind of been lost in time with this expression, you know, given the choice between pinnacle and manacle, you choose, you choose, um, the pinnacle. Right. Um, and that's because, uh, that, that's what they would, uh, call, there was a, there was a place in Australia, the, the, the port into which the, uh, convict ships would go in this place called Bodney Bay mm-hmm. In Bodney Bay, there was a town called pinnacle because there's a hill, you see, you know, you know, pinnacle is like a, a point of land, a tall hill, uh, or the peak of something. So, the manacle the pinnacle right so you'll tell i mean i'll go to australia i don't want the manacle and then you know manacle was just a euphemism really for ultimately you're going to be locked up but Mm -hmm. that's not the end of it if you stay in england you're going to end up swinging from a Mm -hmm. rope right so everybody's like i'll take the pinnacle so they end up going to australia right you this one i didn't have this one much i had this one i remember one time Uh it was in high school you know me i was kind of a bad girl i i've got a really rough past yeah that's why you have that tramp stamp (laughs) well that's nothing to do with my tramp stamp that has to do with that this is this is going to be a number one podcast someday and so i needed to to mark that on my body (laughs) so um i just one time it was in high school. Mm-hmm. It was my principal after some shenanigan. I can't remember how many times I talked to that mm-hmm. principal. And he said this. He said, hey, Thavette. That's my last name. Yeah. Thavette, you, hey, given the choice between the pinnacle and the manacle, why don't you go ahead and choose the pinnacle? I'm like, what are you talking about, yeah. man? Give yeah. me the manacle. And I didn't know what either one of those words yeah. meant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so basically... Uh, I figured out what both of those words meant because he did call in school security. They um, they took me away as they usual to my them. my normal right. place where they had me um, locked up for the day, mm-hmm. so I couldn't cause any problems yep. in the school. Usually, usually it was vandalism. Uh-huh. Usually it was something um, petty vandalism. What's that? Petty vandalism, like. It know, wasn't petty. It was pre, it was pretty significant. It was significant. Uh-huh. Um, and I couldn't usually do too much damage when I was put away into the. In the high school dungeon. Because they put you in the handcuffs. They put me in the manacle handcuffs. He, he, used, the, he used the manacle version of these versions. He used the manacle oh, He must version. have been a scholar. Was he a historian? Yeah, he was quite scholared. Mm-hmm. Scholar. He was, a, yes, he was. Uh-huh. He was an MD. He was an MD. Yeah. Really? And he was the principal. Yeah. A change of careers. He had been in medicine and then he moved we, over we to- We called him doctor, so I assumed um, he was- uh-huh. I So assumed. he said, Thavette, are you going to choose the pinnacle or the manacle? And you were like, 
I don't know either. Those all take the manacle. Cause it had the word man in it. And I oh, thought, cause I was a little bit of a crazy. floozy too. So anything with a man in it, I was all over that. Uh-huh. What kind of, um, what kind of, uh, vandalism was it? Um, you know, I used to call it art. Uh, cause I like to, it was usually like a big, like smiley face, um, with the smile, but not with the closed mouth, but with the, with the teeth, you could see the teeth. That was, was kind of, uh-huh. it was in like, it was kind of Banksy-ish. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just, it was just a smiley face basically. Super Banksy. That's really, you yeah. know, very, and what, did you ever use fire in your vandalism at all? No, I used like a Sharpie marker. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, you know, this expression <clears throat> for me, I mean, I think my encounter with it was a little bit, we had a different high school experience. You were a good boy. I, I used to, you know, I read about it in history class, Australia, you know, learning about Bodney Bay and the, uh, and Jim Jones and all the guys who got sent down there and having to, uh, be sad about missing their homeland. But I was like, guys, you know, you get a whole continent down here. You can just spread out. Don't worry about it. You know, cry me a river. Cry me a river. That's another great expression. We could do cry me a river sometime. Ooh, yeah, we like could that. hear what that's about. Mm-hmm. But you have great beaches. Right, yeah. And I mean, the one thing about Australia is everything can kill you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, like you might not die from hanging in England, but like there's like every plant and snake and spite, every single deadly thing ever is in Australia. I swear, sharks, I, shacks. Shacks, I just heard on the radio today, this is real, that the eighth shark attack of of the year is in Australia. That, that Those sharks are quite hungry down there. I guess so. I don't know. I wonder if, um, you know, with, uh, with people, um, quarantining stuff, are they staying away from the beaches? So the sharks are more hungry or something. Oh yeah. They don't have as much, they don't have as much food. Is that the idea? (laughs) Not so many tourists. (laughs) Tourists Okay. That makes sense. It doesn't at all. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I don't know. Cause like, yeah, I guess probably, um, tourists make up a small proportion of the, of your average great white sharks, um, diet, um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so, so you, know, you learned about it just in the books. Uh, you yeah, never I read had about it. it. Used yeah, yeah. I mean, on you, you didn't have the fortunate time. I mean, I feel like I got a lot of my education from all of my bad doings as a as a child. So you think I was uh, I was really uh, um, kind of square, but good. Yeah, goody tissue. Look at you. I mean, yeah. you with your bow tie on right now and your top hat. Not a lot of men. You yeah, wear that, and you. Well, some of us are compensating um, for. You know, cause at, at my school, they would, uh, when you, were, when you misbehaved, yeah. there was, uh, some quite dire punishments. Um, and so you, you know, would just, they go never said the, the pinnacle or the manacle, but there was, I remember one time, um, I got subjected to a hard labor. You uh, did. Mm-hmm. I and can only dream <clears throat> of that. Actually twice. I do it twice. Um, the first time the, 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 the task assigned was I had to dig a deep ditch uh-huh. and then fill it in again. With you in it. No, no, just feeling. Oh, it see now, I, that's what I I had to. Oh, you'd have felt you'd get I in the I went ditch. in it, and then I had to nice. bring the soil up on top of me, except for your head. And claw, no, 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 and right then claw under. my way out. Oh, huh. It was tough, Pete. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Seussical <laughs> was tough on me back then, and you think I as an MD, they came, he would have been more careful with well, your he, health he and well being. Exactly how far he could push it until my vitals would go down. Yeah. And I thank him to this day for straightening me out. I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in the manacle on the pinnacle. Hey, we want to sh- give a real shout out to our good friends at the Borden Review, at Tilt Think Improv, and at the Grass River Natural Area for uh, supporting us and uh, making us super psyched about this episode. <laughs> 